Savannah and I have been married about 12 years now. We celebrated our 12th anniversary last month. And when we got married, we went on a honeymoon to Orlando, Florida. We did Disney, we did Universal, we did a bunch of things. I know you're, what you're thinking, we are very cool. But that's where we went on our honeymoon, was to Orlando. And the hotel that we stayed at was pretty cool because it had a deal with all these other hotels that you could take taxis between them for free. You could just jump on them, go to another hotel, which is, was in a different part of Orlando, and you didn't have to pay for any of that. Well, when we got there, I studied the map pretty good of where these hotels were. And one day, we were eating at this restaurant, and I told Savannah, she was saying, you know, should we jump on a taxi back to the hotel? And I said, you know, I think if we just cross this road right there, there's one of those hotels, we can get on a taxi for free and go back to our hotel. And Savannah said, that's great, but that road you're talking about is a highway. And I said, look, just trust me, okay? I've studied this. I have all the knowledge in my head. I know exactly what I'm talking about. And so when I say highway, I'm not, I'm not talking about I-20, but it was a road that was about six lanes, 50 miles an hour or so. And I said, look, there's not that many cars. We'll look for an empty spot, and we'll just make a run for it. And that's what we did. And my wife... Uh, or her parents have still never forgiven me for this. But we ran across the highway, it's why Savannah walks with a limp, but we got across and we got over to this other hotel. And you remember, I studied the map. This was a hotel we could get on a taxi for free, only my knowledge betrayed me and I was wrong. So we, we ran across this highway for nothing. We still had to pay for a taxi to get back to our hotel. And I have yet to hear it down. Even now, sometimes my knowledge is, is questioned. Eh, are you sure you know what you're talking about? Because that one time you thought you knew what you were talking about. And today I want to talk a little bit about knowledge and its place and its role in our life. Well, good morning, church family. My name is Cale Courtright. I'm the spiritual formation minister here at Crosspoint. And today we're going to start a brand new series called Back to Bible School. I'm standing right now in our kids' crossing, our kids' ministry hallway. Behind me is where a lot of our kids go to Sunday school. This is where they have their Bible classes. And I don't know if you were raised uh, going to Bible school, going to Sunday school, whatever you called it or not. But I'm so thankful that I, I was raised in a church that I went to Sunday school because I know that going to Sunday school regularly uh, gave me a foundation of biblical learning that I have continued to reap benefits from. And so in the next four weeks, I want to go back to Bible school. I want to go back to some of those lessons that, uh, that we learned as children and maybe we forgot about or maybe we didn't go deep enough. Before we do, I want to remind you of a couple of things. We're starting our backpack blessing right now here at church. And I know things are different right now, but you, we can still be the church and we can still serve our community through this backpack blessing, through giving of backpacks and money for school supplies, because our kids are going to, going to be going back and we, have, we will have people in our community that have needs. See, one thing that we've always known that we're being, that's being reinforced right now is that the church is not a place to go to, but it's a people to be. And so we want to be the people that God has called us to be, that when our community has a need, we want to be serving that need. We want to be there to help them. So today, we're going to go back 
to Bible school. So I hope you have your Bible. The first lesson we're going to do in this series is Adam and Eve. And maybe growing up, you or your children had a Bible that looked a lot like this. And, and these Bibles are so helpful for our kids because they tell the story of God on their level. And the story we're going through today, I especially love in this Bible because it's called The Sneaky Snake. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and go to Genesis chapter 3. Now, the sneaky snake in this Bible, it does a pretty good job of giving our children all the details that they need to know. It gives them all the details of the story. And if you were to sum it up, you, you might sum up the first three chapters of Genesis like this. God creates, and in seven days, he creates the world as we know it. And on the last day, he rests. But right before that, he creates people. He creates Adam from the dust of the ground. He puts together the first man. He breathes life into him. And then he, he notices that Adam, it's not good for him to be alone. So he takes one of Adam's ribs and he creates woman. He creates Eve out of that. And they're in the garden. And God says, you can eat of anything in this garden. You, this is your place. You can do anything you want here, except you cannot touch and you cannot go Uh, You cannot eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I don't know about you, but growing up and you saw pictures, it was always an apple, right? It's always an apple tree for some reason, Uh, which I always thought was weird because we eat apples still today. And you would think that whatever God asked you not to eat, that we would, you know, stop eating that. But the serpent tempts them. They eat of the apple, and so they're removed from the garden. Over the course of time, As you grew up in your faith, you might have revisited this story a few times, and we're going to revisit it today to see if there were things that we missed, and we're going to see how this story applies to us today. So let's go back to Bible school. Before we read from Genesis 3, though, I want to remind you that there is a reason that this story is in our Bibles. There's a reason that God wants us to know this story. Yes, He wants us to know how we came about, how we ended up where we are now, He wants us to know how this all started. But if we're not careful, that's kind of where we'll let the story stop. This story, though, tells us a lot about ourselves. That's what makes the Bible so powerful, is the Bible is universal. All people throughout all time can go to Scripture, and they can learn what it means to follow God. All people for all time can go to Scripture, and Scripture almost, it reads you more than you read it. We, see, we read the Bible for formation. We are Christ followers. We are people who want to follow God and, and to live in a way that honors Him. And so we read Scripture to let it inform us how we can better follow God. So the story of Adam and Eve is the story of all of us. It is a story of humankind. See, Paul makes this clear in his New Testament writings that this is all of our story, that sin came into the world through one man, Adam, but that all of us have sinned, that we would all be Adam, we would all be Eve in the same place. See, this is the story of whether we will choose God or whether we will choose ourselves. This is the story of pride. So if you have your Bible, let's jump into Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it 
or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. The eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. See, God creates this garden for Adam and Eve. He creates this space that's for them. And he says, you can do anything in it you want. You can eat from anything here that you want. He gives one rule. He gives one law. And that's, of course, the one thing that they do. And all the parents out there were like, yep, this is exactly how it is. We tell our kids, you can do anything except this one thing. And what does the child do? They go towards that one thing. This is why we can't have nice things. See, Eve is tempted, and again, Adam is right there with her. Their temptation is to be like God. Their eyes will be opened. They will gain in wisdom. This is the temptation. This is what they want. They, because of their pride, try to take something that isn't theirs to take. You remember last year, the college admissions scandal? It was a big news story. The FBI called this uh, called it the Operation Varsity Blues. What they came to find out was that over the course of seven years, 2011 through 2018, that through this one man, through this one organization, something north of $25 million was given as briberies for, for the children of the rich and the famous to get into different colleges. They bribed people for better test scores, um, for admissions, things like that. Because of this Operation Varsity Blues, something like 53 people have been indicted, including our beloved Aunt Becky from Full House. You remember that show, maybe you watched it or your children watched it as they were growing up, but Aunt Becky, who had this reputation of being a wholesome, good person, was indicted and pled guilty to bribing to help get their college, their kids into college. This is what pride looks like. See, in our pride, we end up pursuing things that we shouldn't. In their pursuit to get their kids into a better school or maybe to gain their kids' affection, whatever the reason, they ruined their own reputation. They ruined their own credibility. They lost jobs. They lost fans. They lost following. This is what pursuing out of our pride does to us. See, again, this is a universal story. It started in the garden, but we, can't, we continually live this out in our own lives. The passage continues in verse 8. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. This is one of the parts of scripture that makes me uh, mourn the most. See, God designed this garden and it was normal for him to go and walk with his creation, to walk in the cool of the evening with Adam and Eve. And I can just imagine that they would go about their day and then there would be a time that they would walk with God in this beautiful, perfect garden that he had set up. Only 
This time the story's different. This time, instead of joining God on his walk, they hide from God. Out of their guilt, out of their shame and their sin, they feel the need to hide from God. And I know that you've felt that way before too. I know that I have. That there are times in my life because of my own sin that I feel the need to hide from him. Can you imagine how beautiful this was? Getting to be in the garden with God. This beauty is ruined, is destroyed because of their pride, because of their own sin. See, what we learn is that pride has ruined the beauty that God makes. See, this is one of those moments that I wish this thing would have lasted forever. And I know that God wanted that also. He wanted to walk with his creation. But because of their pride, because of their sin, it's been destroyed. You know, one of my biggest pet peeves is when I'm driving down the highway. And you know, you'll see it and it'll say, in two miles, a lane is, is being closed because of construction. You have two miles and the left lane is going away. So make your way to the right lane. And you see a bunch of people who start to do this, right? They start to get over. Even if they've been going faster than other cars, they get over and they get into the right-hand lane. But that's not the case for everybody. Some people speed up. and They want to get up as far ahead as they can, in front of as many cars as they can. And what I just know, what I would love to see, is that if everyone would move to the right-hand lane, traffic would continue to flow almost as normal. But it doesn't do that, does it? Because of the cars that want to get as far ahead as they can, it gets to the point that they have to merge over to the right-hand lane, and then everybody has to stop. Yeah, sure, they've gotten in front of a few cars, but now everybody, instead of going close to the speed limit, now we're almost at a stop. We think, oh, this will be good for us, so we're just going to get ahead of everybody else. So what we find out is that pride ruins things. Pride destroys What we learn through the actions of Adam and Eve is that pride ruins beauty. God created something perfect. It was a perfect garden, and it was a perfect situation for him to be with his people. It was a place for him to be with his creation, but it was ruined. The beauty he created is now gone. The story continues in verse 11. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? It's a question that we know God knows the answer to. The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. The Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree, about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. So we can talk about this in terms of punishment, 
But what Adam and Eve really are seeing here is the consequence to their action. See, they're, they're getting what they want. They wanted the knowledge of good and evil, and they have that now. But it comes with consequences. See, so many times we look at one side of the equation. We look at the thing that we're going to get without considering the cost. See, they thought about what they might gain, and they put nothing on what they might be giving up. See, they gave up, for knowledge, this intimate relationship with God. And we live with these consequences today. This is what they wanted. They wanted knowledge. They wanted to know between good and evil. They got what they wanted. Was the trade-off worth it? See, what Genesis wants us to see is that you and I make the same trade-off every day. We choose, we also choose ourselves. We look at this story and we say, well, I would never do that. We look at this story and say, well, that would be an easy rule to follow. There's no way I would eat from that tree. But if we're being honest, we can look back on our own lives and we can find our own examples. We can find the things in our lives where we did choose the tree, where we chose ourselves rather than God. See, none of us are perfect. We all fall short. And when we read this story, when we read scripture, my hope is that you find yourself in it. Not because I hope that you are a prideful, sinful person, but because I know that the word of God is active and alive and it pierces us. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. If you aren't prideful. See, the word of God will pierce your heart if you have the humility to let it. If you go to scripture understanding that there are places that I need to change. If we don't have the pride that says, I don't need to change. I've got it all figured out. This doesn't apply to me. When we try to portray ourselves as perfect rather than embrace the fact that we need grace and mercy through our Savior, Jesus Christ. See, we all choose the tree. We cannot act like we haven't. So ask yourself this question today. What am I pursuing? In my life, who am I actually pursuing? Am I pursuing myself, my own selfish gain, or am I pursuing God and a life with Him? See, we've said this before, but it's pretty easy to find out, actually. You can look back over your calendar, and I know that it's been a strange few months. It's been different. But think back on your life and how you've actually set up your life. What are you actually going for? Who are you actually setting up your life to pursue? Are you setting up your life to pursue God or to pursue yourself? Or maybe you look back over your bank statements, and you can see through that what you've made a priority of in your life. What am I actually going for? What am I pursuing? And if none of that works, maybe ask a trusted friend, someone who loves you enough to be honest with you, to say, this is what I see in your life. This is who you are pursuing. If you have kids, even if they're young, ask your kids, what's important to me? What can you see in my life that's important to me? I would love to know the answer to that question. Am I pursuing myself or am I pursuing my God? See, the story is still true for you today. God wants to walk with you in the garden. God wants to be in an intimate relationship with you. He wants you completely. He wants you to choose him, not yourself. So this isn't easy. 
This is why the story is in Scripture. This is why it is a universal story. It's because it's not easy. And church, I'm not going to lie to you. There's not an easy answer. It's not something that we can just um, easily flip the switch and have it all figured out. The answer is an easy one to comprehend, though. What do we do? We pursue Jesus. We pursue Jesus with everything that we are. We run after him all with all that we have. We pursue Jesus with everything, understanding that when we do, we give up everything else. When you pursue Jesus, you lose everything, even your very life. See, Jesus says throughout Scripture multiple times, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? See, this is the exact antithesis to what happens in the garden. See, what Jesus calls us to is to deny ourselves, is to put ourselves on the back burner and to pick up our cross to follow him. And we talk about that a lot, the idea of picking up our cross and what that means, the self-sacrificial nature that Jesus gave for us. But let's not miss this one detail that he adds in here. Take up their cross daily and follow me. See, this is a, a daily action that you and I need to go through. I think Jesus says this for two reasons. One, this is who we're called to be every day. He knows, uh, or his call for us is not to just do this once a week or, or a couple times a month, whenever we maybe make it to church, but his call is to live this life every day. But I think he also knows that that's how we have to live. So you and I forget. It's too easy to fall back into the patterns of sin and selfishness and our pride. So we have to pick up our cross daily. It needs to be a daily reminder that this is who I'm following. This is who I'm pursuing. We have to follow Jesus every day. And what we find out when we do, when we pursue him with all that we are, is we find out that it's worth it, that Jesus is good. He's better than you could ever imagine. He's better than you could have ever hoped for. But that a life with Jesus, a life with God, is better than you or I can ever come up with on our own. See, we trade everything for that relationship with Jesus. We want to give up everything for that walk with him in the garden. That which was lost, we'll give everything to get back for. So think about all the times in your life that you chose yourself over God. If you're anything like me, you'll realize that it wasn't what you hoped for. Your job, your spouse, even your very self will leave you feeling incomplete. It will never make you whole. You'll always know that something is missing. See, church, apart from Jesus, you will always be incomplete. Jesus is the one thing in our life that, that makes us whole again. Being in relationship with him is enough. He is enough. So church, put down every other pursuit in your life and pursue Jesus. And church, this isn't something that you go through alone. This is why in his wisdom, Jesus Christ created the body, created the church, because he knew that you and I would need one another. We need other people in our lives to help us walk with him daily. We need other people that will walk alongside us when life is hard. We need people alongside us to celebrate with when there's good times to be celebrated. And so church, you have this body here for you. If you have any need for prayer, we are here for you. 
Again, I know these times have been different, but the church did not cease being the church. We are here with you. And so if you have any need for prayer, please let us know. We want to pray with you. We want to walk with you. As you set aside yourself, as you set aside your prideful ambitions, and you seek to pursue God with all that you are.